Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. If you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to find the book of Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to be at tonight. If you are new to the Bible, Colossians is in the second half of your Bible or the New Testament. You're going to find right in the middle that Psalms and keep working your way back towards the maps. Colossians is a small little book that's tucked away. You'll find Philippians, Ephesians, and then I think you'll find Colossians somewhere around there in that neighborhood, all right? So y'all work your way to Colossians chapter 3. It is the final night. It is the fourth quarter of Revival Weekend, and praise God for what he's already done this weekend, and I'm so glad that you made the decision to get here because we are excited and expectant about what God's going to do tonight. As we begin to pray about God, where do you want to lead us as we begin to focus and we begin to consecrate a weekend and we begin to aim our attention towards you? What are some of the key themes? God, what do you want to do in our life? And we said, oh God, would you bring freedom? Would you bring freedom primarily through the avenue of forgiveness? And so if you were to have a theme for the weekend, it would be forgiveness. Turn to your neighbor and say, forgiveness. Great. Now turn to your second choice and say, forgiveness. And so if somebody, when you go to work tomorrow, somebody said, what'd you do this weekend? You said, I got forgiven. I got freedom. I got forgiven. I got forgiven vertically. That's what we talked about on Friday night. Pastor Phil up here with the chains. I, I, I kept asking, when's he going to drop the chains? When's he going to drop the chains? And then he dropped the chains by the grace of God because he was trying to communicate that sometimes we hang on to the chains of sin of our own doing. And finally, Jesus has come to set us free and we want to drop those chains completely, not to pick them up again. And that's what we talked about this morning, that there are some things in our life, some things that we have, we get stuck in the rut of regret and we start thinking, well, I'm just going to beat myself up and somehow God's in heaven going, wow, I really see that guy beating himself up. You're doing good, buddy. You're doing really good. I mean, I know I forgave you, but you're really holding yourself hostage. Way to go. No, that's not the God that we serve. He says, I've cast that sin into the bottom of the sea. And so we had the dissolving paper this morning, if you weren't here. And we said, man, once you write something down as an act of faith and you cast it in a vat of water and then you watch that thing begin to dissipate because that is reality spiritually that God is causing the sin in our life to dissipate. And one day we're going to be delivered from from the presence of sin and glory, but today we can be delivered by the power of sin as we are sanctified and following Jesus Christ. But we've gotta make a commitment to be forgiven. Because there's an enemy that's gonna to come to steal, kill, and destroy you. He's probably already knocked on your door this, this day. And he's definitely gonna come strongly tomorrow and the next day. And he's come to steal, kill, and destroy you. But Jesus said, and I quote, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. And when Jesus was saying that, he wasn't at a cemetery, y'all. He was talking to a group just like this. And so there's this distinction in the kingdom of God between merely existing and truly living. That you can have breath in your lung physically, but you can be dead spiritually and you cannot be experiencing life abundantly because you haven't laid down your chains metaphorically and you haven't cast your sin into the sea spiritually and you're not walking in the life that Jesus has for you, the life abundantly. And that's what we wanna see happen that not every marathoner runs the marathon completely, not every mountain climber makes it to the summit, and not every Christian experiences the power of the Holy Spirit to give them freedom through the avenue of forgiveness in their life. And we wanna be a church that bears the name Abundant Life and lives it out functionally. And so tonight, I wanna tell you about the opportunity that you and I have to do one of the greatest things that Jesus gives us the chance to do, but perhaps one of the hardest things that we are called to do. I don't know if you've ever wanted to push somebody down the stairs. 
If you're sitting next to that person, just blink at me, all right? Don't. <laughs> no, you've been, you know what I'm saying? You've been so frustrated, and you're up the top of the stairs. You're like, this is my moment. My moment, you know? I'm just going to, oops, you know? And, just, and it won't kill them, but it'll hurt them, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I remember literally, I was like, I, I, I am about to push my dad down the stairs. I was 19 at the time, and I was, I was living at home for the summer, and I was in this weird zone in my life because I was beginning to follow Jesus. I still hadn't really laid my burden down. And I was actually interning at a church with middle school students. And so every day for this summer, what I would do is I would go to the church and I would put on events that would help middle school students come and I would begin to tell them about the love of Jesus and I would build relationships with them and I would say, hey man, God has a plan for your life. And he, man, he wants, to, he wants to invade in your life and give you a new life and a new heart. And then I would go home, and my dad, he was not working this summer. And every day, he was drinking vodka. Uh, he was drinking Everclear, just straight, straight from the bottom. He wasn't eating. Our refrigerator was broke, and so wasn't no need in putting groceries in the fridge. I remember going into his room, and it, and it smelled to high heaven because he wasn't bathing. And he had this styrofoam ice chest, you know, the one at the liquor store. And, uh, and it was full of water because the ice had melted and I remembered like that was his water source. Like I would go in and see him when he was, when he was still coherent and he would just scoop his styrofoam cup in the, in the styrofoam cooler of water and he would just drink a, a sip of water. And every day, vodka, about a bottle of vodka a day. It's pretty bad. And so I remember like one morning, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been working with middle school kids all summer and, you know, socializing a little bit. And, you know, so, I, you know, when you're, when you're 19, you don't get up early. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, that's where it was for me. And so I remember early in the morning, my dad yelling my name, yelling my name from the top of the stairs. I was down in the basement. And so I come to and I'm like, what is this man yelling about? And he was still drunk from the night before. And I walk upstairs and I'm like, dad, what you need? And he's like, give me your keys. I'm like, I'm not giving you my keys, you know? And I was like, why do you need my keys? I, I need to go to the store. And I'm like, hey, Dad, I, I, the, I don't think the store's open right now, man. It's like 5 in the morning. And I'm like, what store are you talking about? He says, I need to go to the store. We were in a dry county. If you don't know what a dry county is, they don't sell liquor in a dry county. And so in Texas, this is the deal. And so we were in a dry county, and so you had to drive about 25 minutes to a wet county is what it was called, and that's where you could buy hard liquor. And so my dad says, well, I need to go to the store to buy a burrito, and he tells me the town that's in the wet county. I'm like, why you need to buy a, br a breakfast burrito 30 minutes away? We can go to Taco Bell and hook you up. But he was adamant, give me your keys. And some of you, maybe you've dealt with somebody like this, and you know, you, you're like, all right, you know, this is the liquor talking. And he begins to get belligerent and uh, begins to you know, tell me how ungrateful I am. And how he's done all of this for me. And begin to call, call me some choice words. And I refused to give him my keys. And I remember in that moment just wanting to go, you know, I'm a grown man at this time. I'm 19. I'm about the size I am right now. And it wouldn't have been no problem for me to hand him my old man. And I remember in that moment feeling tense and feeling like in, in between a place because, again, I was working for a church. And so like, I'm hearing about the forgiveness of Jesus, I'm teaching about the forgiveness of Jesus, and then I'm living in this space where I am struggling to give the forgiveness of Jesus. 
And so like I'm reading verses like this. Maybe you've heard some of these verses. I don't know if you've read the Bible, but forgiveness is a key theme. And Jesus is going to say things about forgiveness that are a little bit unsettling. He says it like this in Mark 11, 26. He says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Luke eleven four, and forgive us our sins. We've prayed this before, right? Forgive us our sins, God. Would you forgive us? Here it is. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Luke 6, 23, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Here it is, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' dissertation. He says, forgive, this is the standard. This is what Jesus calls us to, the followers of his. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Matthew 18, 34 and 35, if you're not convinced, this is a big deal to Jesus, here's another one. He tells a story and he ends it like this. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. This is the conclusion of a story, and he says, here's the point. That is what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive. He says, if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So when you read the Bible, it almost seems like if I don't forgive people, I can't receive the forgiveness of God. And so there's a little bit of a conundrum, or my wife calls it a calundrum, because she likes to make up words. Anyway, there's a conundrum here. <laughs> And, um, and here's the conundrum. Is God's love unconditional? And all God's people said, yes, thank you. Yeah, it is unconditional. Uh, that, that we don't get our act together before God's gonna love us, okay? He loves us while we were still sinners. But God's love's unconditional, but it seems like if I don't give forgiveness, it seems conditional here. Now let me be real clear that forgiveness, your ability to give someone forgiveness is not a prerequisite for salvation, but it is a product of salvation. And, and Jesus is saying, if, you, if you've experienced the overwhelming, undoing, amazing, incredible grace and love and mercy of almighty, holy, perfect God, if you've received the forgiveness of God, you have everything you need to give the forgiveness away to others. If you're taking notes and you want a definition of forgiveness, let me just give you this definition real quick so we're all on the same page. When I say forgiveness is what I mean by this. Here it is. Forgiveness, it is a decision. You have to choose it. Forgiveness, note this, it's not a feeling. It's a choice. It's a decision to release the person of the obligation that resulted when they injured you. Forgiveness is a decision it's a decision to release the person, not to sort of release them, but, but to release the person of the obligation that resulted when they injured you. Now, I love reading the Bible because the Bible is written to a group of people just like us. And there's some things that have never changed in time. And here's something that had never changed in time. You find out early on in Genesis 3, when sin comes into the world, Adam begins to blame the woman. You know, like God said, why'd you do this? He's like, man, that woman, you said, she's tripping. You know, and she was like, and then, and then it goes to the woman, and the woman's like, well, really, it was the snake. And it's all this, like, you know, spider universe, and they're all pointing at each other, you know. And, and then Genesis 4, you have Cain and Abel, and one's murdering the other. And, and you have this, like, just catastrophe, conflict, wounding one another, blaming one another. And you just see that from the beginning of time, people have had a tendency to hurt one another. And I, and I, I just want to bring us all on the same page here tonight. We are all guilty of hurting people. And we are all victims by people hurting us. And so there's not one among us that is innocent, and then there's not one among us that has not been injured. 
And this is something that has been happening throughout the pages of human history. So when the Bible's written, I love that the Bible addresses things that, that are just people things. And so Paul, he's writing to this group of people in Colossae, and he's writing to help them understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And he says some incredible things. If you want some homework for this week, go read and study Colossians, and you will be blessed, I promise you. And he turns a corner, typically Paul, he'll write a bunch of theology on the front end and then he'll turn a corner and he'll say, okay, in light of all of these rich theological truths, this is how we should live our life. Because he doesn't just want the Christian just to have a big head and know a lot of things about God. He wants the Christian to know a lot of things about God and then go live the way of God. That's the goal. And so Paul, he's writing some things to this church at Colossae and he's saying, guys, 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 you, you have got to understand this thing is really, really near and dear to the heart of God that you've got to forgive. Now, I think sometimes we'll, um, uh, we'll accuse the Bible and the, the audience in the scriptures of not having any big problems. But in Colossae, you can read other books of the Bible, like Philemon, and you'll find out that there were some issues going on in the church of Colossae. And there was, there was uh, individuals who were dealing with betrayal. You've been betrayed before. And in, in, in particular, Philemon, you'll find out that the betrayal was embezzlement, that an employee took the money from the business and he fled. And then he found Christ in Rome and Paul sends Onesimus back to Colossae and he says, hey, you need to go to Philemon and y'all gotta work this thing out and it's gonna have to be marked by forgiveness. You can even assume what's going on elsewhere in the, in the, uh, the church in Colossae because Paul writes like, hey, hey, you gotta take off wrath and malice and anger. I mean, all the stuff that we go through, you could just read through the list in Colossians chapter three and you'll find your name in the list, I promise you. You'll find your issue in the list, I promise you. And so he's writing to this group of people and like, they're like, man, we understand that Jesus has forgiven us, so we think. And we understand clearly that Jesus has called us to forgive other people. But Paul, 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 we're struggling to forgive. And we don't know how to forgive. You're taking notes tonight. I've titled this message, How to Forgive. How to Forgive. And I wanna point to you from the words of Paul three specific truths that you're gonna to have to know who you are in order to forgive. You're gonna to have to put on the right stuff in order to forgive. And before we leave tonight, the word of God is gonna call us to choose to forgive. Are you excited about finding freedom tonight? Tonight is the night of freedom. Tonight is the night where we let the people off the hook and choose to forgive them and trust that vengeance is in the hand of God. And tonight is the night where some of you have come in here carrying a burden of bitterness and you're gonna leave walking in the freedom of forgiveness because one of the fruits of revival is forgiveness. Paul says it like this in Colossians chapter three, starting at verse 12. He says, therefore, now if you're new to the Bible, um, you could just write in your Bible. I don't know if you know this or not, but it's been proven if you write in your Bible, there's a greater likelihood you're going to heaven. And so, <laughs> just kidding, totally. <clears throat> but, but you'll know the Bible better, right? Jesus gets you to heaven. But you can write in your Bible, you just write an arrow, therefore, literally is pointing back to all that was said. And so Paul, he's turning a corner here and he's saying, hey, in light of everything I've said, and again, he said some amazing things, like Jesus is the preeminent son of the almighty God and that all things were created by him, for him, and through him, and by him are all things held together. He's saying, man, you gotta have a high view of who Jesus is. And then he begins to turn and say, man, you've got to have your relationship right with Jesus. You've been baptized into Jesus. And he says, just as you receive Jesus Christ in Colossians 2, 6, so walk in him. And he says that you need to crave the word of God like, like milk and you need to, you you need to begin to get the word of God inside of you and then you need to begin to flesh this thing out. And he tells us, I mean, you gotta put off some things. We'll talk about that in a second. You gotta put off some things. And then he says, therefore, and then he just reminds us, I love this. 
He says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Point number one, if you're taking notes tonight, you could write this down. You've got to know who you are. How can I forgive them? How, how can I deal with the wound that has been inflicted in my life? Well, first of all, you gotta know who you are. You can't give what you ain't got. You gotta understand the why behind the what. When you don't know the why behind your what, you always lose your way. And if you just are told, if I just come up here and say, you need to forgive them, you know, and I don't ever tell you why you need to forgive them, then that's problematic. And you'll go and just manage your misery and you won't ever live a life of victory and freedom. And you gotta understand that you are the elect of God if you're in Christ. You are holy if you're in Christ. And you are beloved if you're in Christ. You gotta know who you are. If you're here tonight and there's been a decision point in your life where you've turned from your sin and you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your new identity. You are the elect of God. You are holy and you are beloved. What does that mean? Well, the elect of God literally means you're chosen. I mean, this is one of the most profound teachings in all of the Bible that wrecked my life when I was a young adult. When I understood that, that I didn't choose God in totality, but long before I made a decision to follow Jesus, he was wooing and romancing me and pursuing me in the midst of my sin, in the midst of my faithlessness, in the midst of my rebellion, he was saying, I've got more for you. I've got better life for you. I know you got the chains of lust and of pride and of selfishness wrapped around you and you're living for yourself, but I'm still pursuing you in light of your sin. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. He made himself available to me and he says, Chad, I know you thought you chose me, and it may have seemed that way to you. But the more I study the scripture, the more I realize that God, he, he chose me long before I chose him. And you're chosen. Let that sink in. You may have been rejected by your daddy. Your mama may, not, may have overlooked you. But the God of the universe hasn't overlooked you. This is who you are. You are chosen. No, no longer, I mean, no, no, uh, not only are you chosen, but you're holy. What does holy mean? Holy means that you're set apart, that you're, you're called to live a different life. And so you'll find this phrase all throughout the scripture that Jesus says, you know, you've heard it said this way, but I say to you this. He'll say things like, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like this. That Jesus is trying to help us understand that when you follow him, you are called to be set apart. We gotta reclaim the consecration in the church and in the family of God, the call to holiness. That, that we shouldn't deal with relationships and the wounds that we're carrying in here tonight the same way that the world deals with it. That there should be something different about the way that we navigate our daddy issues. There should be something different by the way that we navigate our marital problems. There should be something different by the way that we navigate the abuse that is in our life or that has happened to us in our life. That we are called to be God's holy people. That's, this is who we are. Not only are you chosen, not only are you called to be set apart, but you're beloved. Well, that could be a sermon in itself. Just take the word, be loved. Be loved. I think sometimes when God asks us to do a hard thing, we doubt his goodness in our life. And we start to question if he really is a loving father. God, if you're so loving, why would you call me to do this? Why would you call me to release that person? God, if you're so loving, why, why would you call me just to let him off the hook? We've got to remind ourselves that we are beloved, that we are loved by God Almighty and his ways are best. And this is who you are. If you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, you're his chosen one. You're holy and you're beloved. Do you know that, do you know that you're in Christ? 
you have certainty if you were to die tonight that you would spend forever with Jesus Christ? Are your chains gone? Have you been forgiven by the Almighty? Do you know who you are in Christ? Some of you, maybe that's just the message that you need to hang on to, just that piece. You go home and you look in the mirror and you say, man, I am, I am God's chosen. I am, I am holy and I am loved by God Almighty. I don't care what my daddy had to say. I don't care what my ex-wife had to say. I don't care what anybody, this is who I am in Christ. And you start living out in light of that identity. Some of you are thinking, well, Chad, I thought we were talking about forgiveness. What, what does this have to do forgive, with forgiveness? What, what, I thought we were, I thought of the pushing down the stairs and all that. What does this have to do with forgiveness? Listen, if you don't know who you are, you won't understand what to do. If you don't know who you are, listen, until Jesus becomes your Lord, you won't want to follow his lead. And Jesus is going to ask some of you to do a really hard thing tonight. Because you've come in here and you're carrying a decade-long difficulty. You're carrying a decade, a lifelong injury. And tonight, before we leave, Jesus is going to say, I need you to give that to me. You're not made to carry that. And you won't want to follow Jesus' lead until you've confessed him as your Lord. Because you'll read things in the Bible and say, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> God, I, I can't do that. I, like, I can do these things, but I cannot love that one. I'll love this one, I'll love this one, I'll give grace to the world, but not that, not that one. And then you'll read the word of God and you'll see there's no escape clause. There's no exception. Jesus makes it abundantly clear, forgive. Forgive. That this isn't how the world works, but this is what we're called to do. To put it simply, the kingdom of God is marked by forgiveness. And some of you are gonna to have to make a decision and ask yourself, whose kingdom ultimately am I living for? And if you claim to be a Christian, but you're arboring unforgiveness towards an individual, your life is not in alignment with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And tonight is a night of freedom. See, revival, if it doesn't bear fruit, it's not revival. So we can come in here and we can get, well, we can get hyped, sing songs, we can hype up Pastor Phil, we can celebrate baptisms, we can, we can write things down, but if it doesn't lead to fruit, it's not revival, y'all. It's just a pep rally. That we've come in here to say, God, would you revive my spirit? Would you do a new work in me? And would it lead to change tomorrow? Would it lead to healing in my family? Would it lead to change and fruit? You've got to bear the fruit of repentance, the word of God tells us. And if revival doesn't lead us to do anything, it's not revival. And one of the greatest fruits of revival, I've already said, is forgiveness. And just to say it clear once again, this is not optional for the believer. So for me, man, I had that, that hard summer, you know, and, and again, I was in this tension of like, man, Jesus, you love me, you have a plan for me, and I, but I'm still kind of holding on to some things. And, and about six months later, man, I had revival, y'all. I mean, I had a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost-filled revival where the Spirit of God, he, he, just, he helped me see things I hadn't seen before about who he is. I got to see God's holiness in a new way. And so about six months later, when I saw God's holiness in a new way, it revealed my sinfulness in a new way. And I came to God in a new sense of brokenness, and I said, oh, God, I've heard the gospel up here, but I ain't heard it here like that. And, and, and God, he began to convince me and begin to help me see that I am loved by God Almighty. 
My dad, he was, in, he was in jail for the year at this time. It was my sophomore year of college. My dad was incarcerated. I was struggling with all of those issues. And then Jesus was wooing and romancing me. And by the spring of my sophomore year in college, a new level of brokenness and a new level of understanding of how I need Jesus Christ and revival and God's spirit and God's power and his presence began to move into my life in a new way. But revival that doesn't bear fruit is not revival. It's just a great experience. And so Jesus began to work in my life. I began to study his word in a new way. And I began to say, God, I, you know, I, I, I believe that you can change my life, but I'm going to follow you in a new way. And one of the first things that he began to bring to my attention is, if you want to follow me, you got to forgive your daddy. I said, oh, no, man. I, like, let, like let's, let's work on some other stuff, right? How about cussing? Let's work on that one first, you know? <laughs> and... Um, and then we'll work on some other stuff, but we'll, like, that's like mature, that's like varsity Christianity. I'm kind of a newbie, you know? And so like, let's not, let's not go too fast, too quick. You know what I'm saying? Let's just take our time, God, you know, and just kind of slowly walk with thee. I heard that song, you know? But he said, I need you to forgive your daddy. My dad was in jail for the year, but God was arresting my heart. And he was redefining who I was. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And the new creation that comes is a creation that is able to forgive even the most heinous of things. That God is gonna call you to forgive people. That he's gonna call you to give away what he's given you. And Jesus began to call me, he said, Chad, I'm calling you to forgive the same way that you understand that you've been forgiven. But again, I'm like, how, God? How could I do this, you know? By this time, my dad's in, he's in jail. We're about to foreclose on my house. And my mom, she's, she's remarried now, and she's having to step in and, and get authority over the house. Before it forecloses, we quick sell it. Don't make much money on the place. I was supposed to move back into that place that summer as I was getting ready to be done with my sophomore year of college to do ministry, to do missions internationally. And now I don't have a home to go to. And like, you want me to just let him off the hook, God? You should just forgive him just like that? How do you do this, God? How do, you, how do you functionally forgive somebody? I understand the call. I just don't understand the way. And you got to know who you are. And Paul, he goes on to say this in verse 12. He says, you've got to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Point number two, if you're, if you're taking notes tonight, you gotta write this down, you gotta put on the right stuff. If you're gonna forgive somebody, you gotta know who you are and then you gotta put on the right stuff. Listen, forgiveness doesn't just happen, all right? You don't just wake up and think, you know what, I feel like forgiving that really, really hard thing today and it just kind of kind of stumbled into forgiveness. That's not everybody's testimony. That you have to begin to do some things. You, what, what Colossians 3, the context of it is that you've got to put off some things, Paul's already said. You've got to put off wrath and malice and bitterness. You've got to put off those things and then you've got to put on some things. And this is what the Bible calls repentance functionally. Repentance means that I'm going I'm to turn away from some things and then I'm going to turn towards some things. The way Paul would say that you repent functionally in Colossians 3 is I'm going to put off some things. But the goal of Christianity is not just to put off a lot of things. The goal of Christianity is not sinlessness, it's godliness. And the only way you get to godliness is to get rid of the sin and then put on Christ. You put off these things 
and then you put on these things. What are the things that I put on, Paul? What sort of things do I put on? I want to put off wrath and malice. We all know the things that we need to put off, but what are the, what are the things I need to put on to be walking with Jesus? Well, he gives it here, right? He says tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. What are those things? Let's just look through the list real quick, and I want you to think about spiritually you putting these things on. Put on tender mercies. What is tender mercy? Tender mercy is when it literally means the bowels of compassion. It means that you, you begin to feel in your stomach you begin to feel in your emotional control center. This is what the ancient people believed. This is where the seat of emotions was right here. You begin to feel merciful towards that person. Do you feel merciful towards the individual that, that you're already thinking about? Well, the word of God tells us we've got to put on tender mercies. That means that we are kind towards our enemy. That, that, that means that you're not hostile to the individual that hurt you. Uh, uh, if you're anything like me, like I, I can treat you like you're dead. That's a gift or a curse, I'm not real sure. But if you hurt me, I can, I can literally cut you out of my life. And that's a ditch in my life. And so what it's saying, when somebody wounds you, you've got to put on tender mercies. You've got to still acknowledge that person. You have to still be kind to that person. You have to, you have to put on tender mercies. The other things you gotta put on is kindness. This is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is it's kindness. This means that you're, that you're literally good that you're a moral person towards this situation. You put on goodness, you put on kindness. The next one is humility. What this means is that you're saying, I am no better than you even though you hurt me because I can admit with humility that I've hurt people too. And humility is saying that I'm no, it, it's when Jesus says there's a God that was praying and he, and he stands up and raises his hands and he says, God, thank you so much. I'm not like that guy, you know? And the guy that's over here praying, have mercy on me, oh God, because I'm a sinner. He says, that's where the kingdom of heaven is near. Not towards the pious, the self-righteous that says, well, thank God I've never hurt anybody. Like, that guy hurt me. I'm so much better than that guy. I'm no better than my daddy. I'm no better than anybody that's hurt me. I have the same potential in my life. And when we are putting on humility, what we're saying is, God, God, I, I don't deserve to have vengeance towards this person. And as soon as I live out vengeance towards somebody, somebody can live out vengeance towards me. And I need forgiveness. He says put on humility. He also says to put on meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness literally means power under control. It, it, it's this idea that you can go to, your, you can go to this person, I could run you legally. And some of y'all maybe need to take legal action, just a sidebar. If it's abuse, it's not godly to not press charges. Okay, you, you use our legal system. But then there's certain other situations where you, know, you, can, you can manipulate the legal system and you can, you can run him for all he's worth. You know what I'm talking about. And yeah, he hurts you. And what meekness is saying is that I could hire the baddest lawyer and I could get the baddest story and I could take you down. And meekness is saying, though I could, I won't. I could get my kids together. My mama could have got all of us boys together and said, let me tell you about all the stuff your daddy did to me. And she could have gone through the list. But my mom, she tried to preserve my dad's dignity, saying what happened, being honest about some things, but she didn't have to tell us every detail. And praise God, my mama didn't. And so she was honest, but she didn't rob my father of absolute dignity. We discovered a lot of things on our own. 
and you don't have to be the one that says, well, let me tell you and set the record straight and I'm gonna tear this person. No, put on meekness, power under control. I have the power to destroy this person. But God, help me to be meek. And then the final thing is they put on long-suffering. Long-suffering, I love this word. This, uh, some of your translations say patience. But long-suffering means that you suffer long. <laughs> that you're long-fused. That you choose to be patient. You choose to forbear with that person. And listen, if you're gonna want to forgive somebody, you have to feed your heart these things. As opposed to feeding your heart malice and wrath and justice and anger. Those are the things that are like fast food always available. You've got to choose to put on these things. And Paul's telling us, man, you've got to put these things on. Uh, because we naturally have a tendency to rationalize why we don't forgive. I don't know if y'all ever rationalize why you don't forgive, but I think that some of us, we've come in here, and when it comes to the hurts that we have in our life, you know, I want you to imagine that this is the hurt. It's like, man, that, that person, he really hurt me, and so we kind of start carrying this hurt around. You know, my dad did this, or my mom did this, or my spouse did this, or my cousin did this, or my, my whatever did, you know, and we start carrying this thing around, and we think, well, you know what, I'm just gonna have to carry this thing around for the rest of my life. And God's saying, no, 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 you don't have to carry this thing around. We're like, well, yeah, yeah I do have to carry this around because we start rationalizing some things. And the, the first thing we, we begin to tell ourselves is this right here. We begin to say things like, well, um, um, it, it's too big for me to forgive. You know, and, and like, you don't, you don't know what they did to me and I'm gonna carry this thing around and it's heavy, but I can't just let it go. You want me to just let it go? I can't just drop this thing. It's, it's too big of a deal, you know? My dad left my mother on Mother's Day. When I was 12 years old, he got me ready for church and he said, your brothers and your mom are at church. And I said, well, daddy, where are you going? And he started crying the first time I ever saw my daddy cry. He worked in shipyards and oil fields, or a roughneck man with nine hands. They were big as two by fours. Began to cry for the first time. I said, well, what's going on? He said, your, your mom don't want me here anymore. Get ready for church, it's time to go. I'm just I'm supposed to just forgive him? It's too big to forgive. I can't, I can't forgive him that way. And then we start thinking, well, you know, I'm not going to forgive him because, you know, time, time will heal it. And if I just carry this around long enough, it'll just kind of dissipate. And, uh, you know, and then some of you, you're in, your, you're in your seventh decade of life, and you're still dealing with the issues that you didn't deal with when you were in the, the second decade of your life. And listen, um, injuries are like holes in a wall. They don't heal themselves. And time, time will not heal serious injuries. But oftentimes we think, you know, it'll, it'll get better with time. Another rationalization that we have is that, you know, I'll, I'll, well, I'll forgive them when they say I'm sorry. When, when my dad calls me up and he says, you know, I'm sorry for all of the things that I've done. And typically, typically the person that's injured us has underestimated the wound that they have inflicted upon us that they don't know how to apologize for everything that they've done. And sometimes we think, well, I'll let it go when they call up and they make it right. And we just carry it around. Another rationalization that we have is like, I, well, I just, I, I just can't forgive them. I just, you want me just to forgive them and forget it? Listen, God cannot forget our sin. He chooses to remove our sin. He separates it as far as the east is from the west 
and he chooses, it, he chooses to not hold us accountable to it. And so when you forgive somebody, you're not just forgetting that that ever happened. What you're saying is, I, I choose to not hold you obligated to pay me back for the injury that you put in my life. And then finally, the rationalizations that we have is, oh, I'll, I'll forgive them, or excuse me, if I just forgive them, they're just gonna do it again. And so we, we carry this around thinking, well, if, if they just do it again, and then you got a second sandbag on your shoulder, and you're walking through life, and you're burdened down by all of these things, and God's saying, well, you need to let this thing go, and then, and then if it comes back, then you learn to let it go because you're not made to carry these things around for the rest of your life. And some of you have come in here spiritually and you're carrying something that is so heavy. And listen, the weight of unforgiveness is unbearable. And if you choose to forgive, it will cost you something. But if you choose not to forgive, it'll cost you everything. And tonight, it's time just to cast it off and be free from the weight of unforgiveness. And you say, well, uh, I I just don't understand. I don't understand how how you can forgive. Listen, just because you don't understand completely, just because it's not understandable, doesn't mean it's excusable for you not to forgive. That we have to, by faith, trust Jesus Christ, that he's calling us to forgive and cast these things off. And if you're gonna forgive, man, you gotta know who you are. And if you're gonna forgive, you gotta put on the right stuff. But eventually there comes a point in time, and for many of you, tonight is gonna be this night where you have to make a decision, I'm gonna choose to forgive. Here's the imperative in the verse, or another one, verse 13, it says this. Paul says that you're bearing with one another that, that literally means that you're holding one another up. You're helping one another. And here it is. You're bearing with one another and you're forgiving one another. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes tonight, you could write this down. You've got to choose to forgive. You've got to choose to forgive. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. Forgiveness is a decision to release the person of the obligation that resulted when you were injured. It's a decision to let it go. And so for me, man, I had to make this decision to forgive my dad. I, I, I couldn't carry this weight any longer in my life. When I read the scriptures and I saw what Jesus had done for me and I saw the call that he had in my life, I, I couldn't continue to reconcile unforgiveness with the unconditional, amazing love of God that he had bestowed in my life. And I had to make the decision to forgive my dad because I could have never really loved my dad if I didn't forgive him. And I've come to understand that I could have never really loved God if I didn't forgive him. If you claim to love God but you are not obeying God's word, you're not loving God. And tonight is a night of freedom. And tonight is a night where many of you are gonna choose to forgive. You have to make a choice. And some of you are like, well, you know, well, what, 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 what do you mean make a choice? I mean, what, like, what, what, what are you talking about? I mean, what, what choice am I making here? Well, let me give you five things that forgiveness is not real quick so we can just be a little bit clear. Forgiveness is not enabling. It's not you saying, you know what, if I, I'm gonna forgive them and, uh, and then I, and I'm just gonna give them whatever they ask. And so like when I forgave my dad, I didn't go out and buy a bottle of vodka and say, hey man, I forgave you, <laughs> drink up, all right? It's not enabling. I'm not gonna continue to give him the thing that is causing division in our relationship. Forgiveness number two, forgiveness is not rescuing. It's not, you, it's not you getting them out of the situation every time. 
It's you still letting them suffer the consequences. My dad, he went on eventually to be locked up in a state penitentiary. And so I get the news that dad's in jail again. It's a third strike rule in Texas. And he finds himself in Huntsville, Texas, at a notorious prison called The Wall. And me and my brothers, we had a decision to make. Do we go out in our early 20s and try to hire the most expensive lawyer that we can hire so that we can reduce dad's sentence? Or do we let him suffer the consequences? And you can forgive somebody and you can still let the system do its work. It's not rescuing. The third thing that forgiveness is not, it's not risking. It's not risking. Hey, Dad, I, you know, I, I forgave you. Here's my keys. I know you're drunk, but here's my keys, man. Let's go for a ride. You drive, you know? No, it's not risking. Some of you, you when it comes to forgiving your abuser, you think, well, does this mean I just have to, I have to move back in with the brother that abused me? No, it's not risking. I put a door on the front of my house, and no one goes to my house, knocks on the door, and says, how dare you put a door on the front of your house, bro? I thought you were a pastor. I thought you loved people. I thought you forgave people. You know, no, no one is taken back by the door on the front of my house. And the reason why I have a door on the front of my house is because I want to protect the people that are on the inside, and I want to keep the people that I don't want on the inside of my home on the outside. And I'm not going to risk an open door policy and just let people come in how they want to come in. And that love that has no barriers or has no protective things is love misunderstood. Forgiveness is not enabling, it's not rescuing, it's not risking, and number four, it's not free. And so this isn't just, you know, um, I, I just forgive the debt, you know, and, and, uh, and it's no problem. I've already said this, it will cost you something. If you owed me money and I decided to forgive the debt, who has to pay? I do. That when you choose to forgive the person that has injured you, you are paying because you're absorbing the debt that was owed you. Forgiveness is not free. And lastly, forgiveness, it's not easy. It's not easy. This isn't a one and done thing. My dad died a few years ago, a priestess funeral. And there's still, even as I've been remembering some of these things for this message tonight, there's still part of me It's like, man, how could you, man? Golly, I just get fired up about some of the stuff again. And I put myself back into my 19-year-old self thinking, I, you know, just choked him out or something, you know. And I, like, I just get back there, and I've got to go back through the process all again. i got to know who I am. i got to put on the right stuff. And I've got to choose to forgive. This isn't typically a one-and-done thing. This is a, God, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. God doesn't give a lifetime, a lifetime supply where you never have to go to him the next day. He gives you what is sufficient for the day. It's not easy. It's not one and done. You have to choose it. You have to choose it. This is Freedom Weekend. This is Revival Weekend. And what we are saying is that we are sacrificing some hours of our weekend saying, I want to meet with the holy God and I want God to begin to move in my life and revive parts of my life that are broken, that are dead in one of the areas in many of your lives, in a room this size, and those watching online, is that there is somebody in your life that you need to forgive. And if you're serious about revival, one of the fruits of revival is forgiveness. If you're taking notes, you can just write this down. A decision, I forgive blank, and you write the name of the person. Go ahead and write their name. I forgive my dad. 
I forgive my mom. I forgive my high school coach. I forgive my uncle. I forgive my ex-boss. I forgive my ex-wife. I forgive my grandfather. I forgive myself. I forgive blank for the circumstance. Let's get specific tonight. Let's do business with God tonight. Let's walk in the freedom that the shed blood of Jesus Christ, God Almighty, that was poured out upon the cross of Calvary to give us the ability to forgive freely. Let's walk in that tonight. You've got to choose to forgive. I forgive blank for blank. And Paul, he tells us that you have to forgive them. What's the standard, Paul? How much do I need to forgive them? How much are we talking about here? Well, he goes on, he says this in the second half of 13. He says, if anyone has complaint against another, he says this, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. What's the standard of forgiveness? It's Jesus Christ. We go, to the, we go to the limits that Jesus went to. Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he didn't do first. On the cross, one of the things that Jesus said is, Father, forgive them, the people that were killing him, for they know not what they do. That Paul's saying, if you wanna know how to forgive, you've gotta forgive, just as Christ forgave you. In verse 14, it says, but above all these things, put on love. Put on love, it's like the overcoat of godliness. He says, which is the bond of perfection. That doesn't mean that we'll be perfect, but that does mean that when we put on love, it's the bond of maturity. That's another way of understanding that word, a bond of unity. See, the standard of biblical forgiveness is Jesus, that Jesus Christ, he forgave all of you. That Jesus Christ, when he gave forgiveness, he forgave it totally, he forgave it immediately, and he forgave it unilaterally. And so the standard that we see in the Bible when Jesus is asking us to forgive, he's saying, you gotta forgive this thing Totally, you gotta forgive this thing immediately. You gotta forgive this thing unilaterally. Totally, you gotta forgive all the sin. Not just some of it, you've gotta forgive all of it immediately. You gotta forgive it now. Now is the time. Now is the moment that we choose forgiveness and you gotta forgive it unilaterally. This isn't I'm gonna give forgiveness to this person I'm gonna skip this person and then give it to this person. I'm giving forgiveness to everybody that's ever hurt me. That God sent revival to my heart, I told you earlier. And when he sent revival to my heart, I began to look in the scriptures and see this call to forgive. If I'm gonna have the freedom that Jesus Christ died to give me, I was free from the penalty of sin at salvation. But as I began to walk the journey of sanctification, he began to give me the power to walk free from the power of sin in my life. And one of the things that had me in a chokehold and in a strong grip was bitterness towards my daddy. You know, I began to have revival in my heart. God gave me the, the power to forgive my dad that I could have never loved my dad if I didn't choose to forgive my dad. I think many of us, we have a hard time loving people that are close to us because we've been hurt by them. I think what happened for me and my dad's relationship, he hurt me and then I tried to help him. I remember that summer that he was drinking vodka. I thought, you know what, I can really help him. By the end of the summer, he was suicidal. And I'd gotten to such despair that I said, go ahead and do it, man. I'm tired of hearing about it. I don't want to hear you threaten about taking your life again. Take it. That's how hurt I was because I tried to help him. And, and I think the next phase I went through was bitterness. Like, man, I wish you were dead. 
And the only way I got out of that trough of despair was to forgive. And when I chose to forgive, I was able to see my father with compassion. And so it was the night of my wedding. My dad hadn't showed up all day. <laughs> my, my old, I got two older brothers. My oldest brother, he was livid. He's a protector. You know, he's calling my dad, where are you at? Where are you at? Dad's not answering. I'm getting married though, man. I don't care. I'm like, if he comes, great. If he doesn't, I, I got one person in mind. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting married, you know? <clears throat> and so I wasn't that worked up. I'm like, you know, let me eat my food. Let me get my tux. And I, it's game day, baby. And I'm holding my mom as we're getting ready to walk to the aisle. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, Lee, man, your timing. And I'm sitting there with my mama, my dad walks in. He's drunk. And he stinks. Because he, he, hadn't, he hadn't changed from the clothes he was wearing the day before. And so in that moment, like, if, if bitterness is in my heart, if wrath and malice is in my heart, you could imagine what I do. But I made a decision before that moment, long before that moment, if you wait until that moment to try to forgive, you will never be able to do it. It's in moments like this that you make a choice to begin to, by faith, put on tender mercies and kindnesses and meekness and humility and long-suffering so when moments like that come, you can look at your perpetrator and you can have pity upon him. And for me, I had gone through the hard work of forgiving my dad. So even when he walked in and injured once again, I was like, oh man, how sad. I was filled with compassion towards him. Dad, how sad that you can't put the bottle down for a day. And because of that, it's undermining your ability to cherish one of the greatest days of your life. I thought, wow, that is so tragic. And I look my mom in the eyes and she starts tearing up. <laughs> and I said, it's gonna be a great day. And I got married <laughs> and it was awesome. And for me, it wasn't like one of those crushing moments but because I had forgiven my dad, I was filled with compassion. <laughs> if the person whose name you wrote down earlier came in here tonight, would you be able to have compassion upon them? Would you be able to have mercy upon them? And if you wanna be free from bitterness, and if you want to be free from malice and wrath, if you want to put off those things, tonight is a night of freedom. Because tonight is a night of forgiveness. And if you want to be free from those things, you're going to have to forgive. So I think for some of us, again, it's so difficult because we've come in here with real hurts. And maybe you've come in here and when you think about all that you've gone through and what people have done to you. You're like, man, you don't know what I've been through. And if this gasoline, if it represents circumstances and this match represents unforgiveness, many of you are trying to incinerate 
the person that hurt you by striking the match of unforgiveness because of the circumstances that have happened in your life. And some of you, your story is similar to mine. And I remember like, you know, some of the circumstances, like my dad, he was a porn addict. And so when I'm a boy, you know, a curious boy, me and my brother, my 10-year-old brother, and I was eight, we found his porn stash. And, and my dad really didn't even throw the book at us. He was just kind of like, boys will be boys. And I, and I could be like, Dad, you, you allowed me to be exposed to porn when I was eight? I was a child. I, I could have been like, Dad, Mother's Day, I already told y'all, when I'm 12 years old, Mother's Day, you, you left our family. We ultimately lost our house because you went to jail when I was 16. And then, you know, 19, I'm like, Dad, I'm trying to serve in ministry, man. And all you want to do is drink all day. And, and now my wedding, then even after I'm married, you, you still can't get sober, man. And you're now, I'm now going with my wife to the state penitentiary to get you out of prison and I got a choice to make. Because every one of us have had unforeseen circumstances that have covered us in a fuel of unforgiveness. And if we take the match of unforgiveness, and if I think if I strike this, I'm going to incinerate my father or whomever it is, the person that's gonna explode in flames is me. And so if you come in here and you're arboring unforgiveness towards somebody because of real pains that have happened in your life, you have the power to choose in this moment. By the authority of God's word and by the way that is called life abundantly, Jesus says you have to make a decision to lay your unforgiveness down and choose him to give you the grace to forgive. And only until you do this will you truly be free from the hurts that have been done against you. You gotta know who you are. You gotta put on the right stuff. But eventually, you're gonna have to make a choice to forgive. I wanna invite you just to bow your heads, close your eyes. And I just wanna ask you a few questions that we've already talked about tonight. It's not really new information, it's just an opportunity for you to reflect upon some of the things that we've talked about tonight. Question number one, do you know who you are? Has there been a point in your life where you've trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Listen, you can't give what you ain't got. And if you ain't got forgiveness from God Almighty, you don't have the resources to give forgiveness. 
So do you know who you are? And if you're here and, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're chosen. You are set apart and you're loved. And you're called by God Almighty to give the forgiveness that was given to you away. Question number two, are you putting on the right stuff? You putting off wrath and malice and envy, I mean, or hatred rather? And are you putting on tender mercies, meekness and humility and such? Are you putting on the right things? If you're not putting on the right things, you won't have the power to truly forgive. Forgiveness isn't a feeling, and our faith informs our heart. We don't follow our heart. And then lastly, would you be willing to choose to forgive? We did this on Friday night. I'm just going to keep in alignment with this. It's going to give you an opportunity to respond tonight. We're about to sing a couple of songs, so we're, we're not in a hurry. We're going to have an opportunity just to allow the Spirit of God to minister. But here's what I'd like to ask. How many of y'all, by raising a hand, would say, man, I'm harboring unforgiveness towards somebody? Just raise your hand right now. And there's somebody I am struggling to forgive. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anytime you're, you're admitting something, what you're saying is that, man, I'm going to be honest about this. The next thing I want to ask you to consider doing is if you really mean that you want to forgive them. One of the ways that we begin to activate what God is doing in our life is that we take a next step literally. And so if you raised your hand and, and you want to make a decision to throw the match of unforgiveness down, so to speak, I want to invite you just to come to the front of the stage. I'm going to pray a special prayer of power and of faith over you. And you can stand up right now in your seat. You can just stand up. You can come down. Come on down. I know, that, I know I told you to bow your head, but you can raise up. Come on down. And we're about to sing a song after I pray. But we're making this a moment tonight. We're choosing to forgive tonight. And many of you, there's something that you're hanging on to, and you're saying, I'm ready to be free tonight. That we're here to do business with God. We're here to experience revival. And what that means is that we don't just simply say trite things in our heart and say, well, I really mean that. I'm really sincere. But when, it's when you stand. It's when you put some things in motion. We're putting some things in motion tonight. And God knows exactly what you need. He, he knows exactly what you've been through. In a room like this, so many hurts. So much pain. But here's what I know about God. There's enough grace to go around. There's enough power for everybody. And tonight, as you're making your way up here tonight, let me just remind you, it's a night of freedom. That tonight is a night of forgiveness. God sees your act of obedience. He sees your act of submission. I want to personally just say thank you for being vulnerable enough to say, God, I need to forgive this person. So let me pray for you guys right now. Lord Jesus, God, I thank you so much for those that are down here saying, by just a public display, God, I need your help forgiven. 
God, I pray that you would help them to be honest with the injury, help them not to gloss over and minimize their pain, because that's not what you would do. Uh, you didn't say that Jesus sort of you know, went out and he went to a better place. No, you said that he was crucified. You were honest about the injury. And so God, I pray that there would be honesty, that there would be real, real awareness. Because it's not until we get honest that we can really put that heavy bag, that heavy sandbag down and so, God, I pray that tonight there would be honesty, but that would be intersected with faith to forgive. God, that you would help your people who are called by your name to lay down the bitterness, the wrath, the anger, the unforgiveness. And God, that tonight would be a night of freedom. And so, God, I pray that you would help those that have been hurt that have tried to help, that are now bitter, to choose to forgive so that they can truly love. And that you'd give them wisdom on what forgiveness is and what it's not. That you would protect them so that they wouldn't be injured again. And God, you would help them to choose to forgive. And God, I pray that there would be people that leave here liberated. God, I pray that there would be people when they intersect those that they're choosing to forgive tonight, they can have compassion upon them. And it's only by your grace and it's only through the gospel that this can take place. And so God, I pray that you would move in these moments and that forgiveness would have its work in our hearts and it would have its work through our lives. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.